Hello, and welcome to A View from the Perch, a podcast covering important financial topics from the perspective of a financial advisor and an experienced certified financial planner. Each week, we give a brief market update, discuss current economic events, analyze and debate highlighted stocks, and provide education on a financial subject. Now, here are your hosts, Bill Parrott and Spencer Engelkev. Welcome, welcome. How are the markets? Hey, we got some good news good finally. Good yeah. News. Wow. I think we just stopped right here. Yeah, right. And, uh, Cut it off. Uh, yeah, yesterday the market was up significantly. It's falling through today. In the last five days, the S&P 500 is up 4.3%. Uh, small caps are up 4.3%. And international markets are up almost 3.9%. Mm. Uh, the bond market continues to sell off. It was down about 1.5%. But uh, the main indices last five days look pretty solid. Yeah. Okay. And so is this a byproduct of there's just nobody left to sell or is this the byproduct of the UK saying, all right, everything's not as bad as it seems. What's really going on? Or is this just a bear market rally? Well, what's what's happening? Well, as I always said, when people ask me why the market's up, I said, well, who cares why it's up? <laughs> it's up. But I think, you know, you look at the UK, they basically reversed yeah. that policy. So at the end of the day, nothing happened over there. It's back to where it was before all this stuff started. But that's calming down the markets uh, significantly. Uh, a lot of sellers are out. A lot of people panicked. And uh, not that it can't go lower, but uh, a lot of people have cashed out. So I think that plus the UK this past week is uh, adding a little fuel to the fire. Makes sense. Yeah. And this is where I'm seeming to struggle with uh, or struggle is we're still looking at interest rates hikes in the next couple meetings of the Fed. And so we see this rally. Is it just going to be extinguished like we've been seeing or do you think it's sustainable now? Great question. That's uh, it's do what they say, not what they do. So <laughs> I think, well, I know they're going to raise a couple more times, yeah. but it depends on the language and what they say. But I think the market is looking ahead to the first or second quarter of next year where the Fed will probably stop raising rates, either hold them steady or start lowering rates. I think the consensus is they've gone too far, but uh, the market, I think, is looking ahead. Yeah. And I think that's an important point that a lot of investors need to know is the market is forward looking. It's not retroactive. And so they're seeing these interest rate hikes and they might already priced them in as we've seen. And so maybe there's some greener pastures on, on the other side of this year that we're kind of banking in right now. Yeah. And you know what tomorrow is? I do not. It's the 35th anniversary of the stock market crash, October 19th, 1987, uh, where the Dow fell 508 points, which doesn't sound like a lot today, but that was more than 22% correction in one day where the Dow fell significantly. And I just looked up, I said, what if you had bought... The Friday before, mm-hmm. put 10,000 yeah. in the market, not knowing the crash was coming, and you held on through today, your 10,000 is now worth 134,000, and you've averaged uh, almost 8% per year investing the day before the worst day in the market. So we advocate 
all the time to buy and hold. It's hard. We sound like a broken record, but if you just let time and markets do their thing, they'll, they'll usually bail you out. Yeah, absolutely. I'm your best friend when it comes to investing. Well, perfect. Well, that's that's some good news. You know, sometimes you got to take it what it's worth, and so that's exciting. Um, anything else you want to leave listeners with with the market, or you just want to transition into? Kind of our empowering education. Yeah, let's go into the education. Yeah, okay. So now we're talking about dividends and cash flows. So, Bill, I'm kind of just going to open up the floor to you. This is something you're passionate about. What What do you want the listeners to know? Well, dividends, uh, like, uh, you know, bird in the hand, two in the bush. You know, a dividend is real. You know, you get it quarterly. It's cash into your bank, cash into the stock, cash into your account. It's, it's, it's cash money, real money. And historically, dividends have accounted for about 40% of the total return in the stock market. Now, the past few years with the meme stocks, the growth stocks, low interest rates, cash flow really hasn't contributed anything to portfolios for the most part. Uh, now, because of the correction and because of rising rates, cash flow is back in vogue as an investment option, which hasn't been there previously. So interesting. We've seen growth stocks kind of take off in the past four or five years. And so do you not think that's going to be the norm going forward? And so because of this interest rate environment, this cash flow environment, you're suggesting kind of pivot to dividend stocks? Or do you think after we get out of this kind of turbulent market, growth stocks will continue to be king? Well, it's like the tortoise and the hare. Uh, <laughs> the dividend stocks just keep plugging along. Mm. Very methodical. They're not up too much. They're not down too much for the most part. Uh, and growth stocks will always be part. And, you know, we preach diversification. But right now, because of the correction mm. and the rise in interest rates, you can get several stocks paying more than a 5% dividend, 4% dividend. International investments more than five percent, and you could lock in guaranteed rates of return on bonds uh, at four percent. And there are several corporate bonds paying five percent. And if you are an investor with means and you live in California or New York, municipal bonds are offering very attractive rates right now. So for the first time, uh, you could build a portfolio. That's throwing off four or five percent cash flow. Now, historically, stocks have generated ten percent per year, going back a hundred years. So, if you could generate four or five percent in cash flow, you're pretty much halfway to that annual goal of ten percent, yeah. and nothing's happened yet. You're just getting those dividends, you're getting those interest payments, and so the market doesn't have to move that much for to get for you to get that ten percent annual return. So what's good for one thing is bad for another. So now that investors have this attractive alternative to the more volatile and risky stocks, do you see kind of a downtrodden in the market with more people running towards these? Or do you think it's just going to kind of be nil? Like what's your, what's your thoughts on that? No, I think people will sell stocks because at some point, if somebody can get, you know, four, five, six, seven percent rate of return from a bond mm-hmm. or safe investment, they're gonna say, you know what, I don't need the stock market anymore. Forget it. I'm gonna lock in these rates, get my five percent cash flow, and call it a day. 
Now that works if rates stay right at five percent or fall. But if rates go to six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twenty, thirty percent, whatever, then that bond's going to go down significantly. But yeah, I think a lot of people will start to cash in some chips, buy the bonds, lock in that that guaranteed rate of return, call it a day. Hmm. Yeah, if rates get to thirty percent. I'm, I'm going to find a new profession. Uh, <laughs> But no, that makes that makes a lot of sense. So I see you got a list of kind of some stocks that look intriguing. Kind of what do you want to talk us through that? Yeah. Now, to be fair, uh, the reason why the dividend yields are very high is because the stocks have come down. Absolutely. So these are some stocks that have some hair on it. Uh, they've had some issues. Uh, but you look at the list here, uh, Altria, 8%, Verizon, 7% dividend, uh, Walgreens, Five and three quarters percent, Intel five and a half percent, 3M five and a quarter percent, Paramount 5.1, Edison five percent. So there are several stocks that are paying more than five percent, but all those stocks have some issues. There's some skeletons in the closet with those companies. So you have to be patient with a lot of these dividend paying stocks. So to your point earlier, uh, you can't give up on the growth stocks, you know, the Amazons of the world. Uh, you still need those. But yeah. right now, you can get several stocks with dividend yields north of 5%. Yeah, and, and that brings up an intriguing kind of question is these dividend yields are high because the stock prices are low. What What's the corporation saying, okay, we've been taking a hit, let's lower our dividend. Like what's kind of stopping them from doing that and you losing that? return, you said? Well, uh, if a company cuts their dividend, they're sort of blackballed. Mm. Uh, Dividend is the holy grail for a lot of investors and institutions. That's why Exxon defends their dividend at all costs, because they know if they cut that dividend or eliminate that dividend, there goes the money. Mm. So the dividend is, for a lot of firms, a protected asset class. It's, it's like an endangered species. Huh. You can't touch it. Uh, and and uh, But a lot of these companies have free cash flow, yeah. um, decent earnings over time, good balance sheets, because you can't pay out a dividend if you're not making money. Yeah. So if they cut the dividend, then that's just not, not good news for the stock. And that's why they protect it at all costs. Huh. Okay. That, that makes sense. It's kind of like a you know, kind of high school rumors, right? You don't want to do something wrong or you're not going to get invited to the party. That's funny. And you want to be invited to the party. That's for sure. <laughs> that's intriguing. Okay. And, I, and to add, you know, if you look at a few indices, uh, the EFA index, international okay. investing, uh, that right now has a dividend yield of five and a quarter percent. And the international small cap index is at five, two. Wow. So you could buy uh, two thirds of the world with two funds and get five and a quarter percent interest on your dividend. You throw in some stocks. And then on the treasuries right now, uh, from six months to 30 years, they're all yielding more than 40%. That's a guaranteed return. So you get that 4% guaranteed, then you pick up a few stocks with decent dividends and you're halfway to your 10% goal. Yeah, and then you can rely on that rather than the volatility of the growth stocks and then kind of a little bit more peace of mind if you have a little bit of security. Well, uh, pre-internet, uh, we used to call it mailbox money. 
yeah. Like you go to your mailbox, there's my dividend. <laughs> and and should I remember when I was working at Dean Witter, this guy, we had a cashier because people would bring in their checks and he was depositing a check for like 130000 from, uh, I think it was either Pfizer or Merck. I think it was Pfizer. And I said, oh, you sold some Pfizer stock. And he said, no, that's my quarterly dividend. And I'm like, holy cow. Uh, Might have done well in this pandemic. Yeah. But that's the thing. Regardless of what the market's doing, every quarter, that dividend's paid no matter what. Yeah. And I was looking at some of our models earlier. Uh, Now, several of them are yielding more than 3%, which hasn't happened since we created those models. So... Mm. Uh, cash flow is, is is back in vogue. Nice, awesome. Well, anything that's a that's a good place to leave it. Do you want to have anything else you want to share about dividend cash flow stocks? Yeah. So if you look at the S and P five hundred index right now, twenty eight percent of the companies in the index, so five hundred companies, mm-hmm. so twenty eight percent now have a yield that's greater than three percent. Interesting. So there's a good chance you could find a company in there that you like that has good cash flow. And I've, I've always been a fan of dividends because again, regardless of the environment, it's, it's showing up in your account. And if you reinvest that dividend, you're buying more shares when the investment's low. And then when we do get a rebound, you're making that much more money. And again, it goes back to diversification, some dividend stocks, some growth stocks, U.S. stocks, international stocks. But right now, uh, in quite a while, there are some cash flow opportunities. Awesome. Well, you hear here first, one of the most hot stocks that Bill thinks is Intel. So I <laughs> <laughs> would have thought that would be on the front page. <laughs> yeah. And, and I guess, disclaimer, obviously, do your homework. Uh, but Intel is a great example because it's paying a dividend right now, five and a half percent. But the stock has been torpedoed this year. They're having a lot of troubles um, laying off some people. They just can't seem to get out of their own way. And the chip shortage in general is wreaking havoc on Intel, AMD, Qualcomm. Yeah. But if you are patient and you think Intel's going to recover, you could lock in a 5.5% return right now on the dividend. Wow. Yeah, that's perfect. All right. Well, that's that's some good education that we were able to kind of walk through. So now we have intriguing issue um, mm. for issues. And Bill's going to be upset with me, but my intriguing issue is I-bonds because we've been talking a lot about them. And mm-hmm. I think in this market, any good news is great news. Uh, and so I just want to put the disclaimer out that make sure you get your I-bonds sooner rather than later. Uh, they're a guaranteed U.S. investment, so they're backed by the United States government. And they're right now yielding at around 9.64% for six months after your purchase. Um, 9.62, 9.64, kind of the same thing. Um, yielding about six months from your purchase date. But on October 31st, November 1st, they're changing the rate because what I-bonds are doing is they're inflating or they're, they're protecting inflation. And they take your inflation rate or the U.S. inflation rate and they kind of project it and put their formula to it and then come up with a rate that they think is fair. And the difference between kind of what we're seeing, because inflation is still hot, inflation is still high, they go a month over month basis. So even though inflation is still upwards of 8%, it's only going to be about 6.4% after this next adjustment because inflation has slowed month over month. 
So if you really want to take advantage of that rate right now, I would do it. Uh, there's some caveats. Hold it for five years to get the full interest. You can't cash it out till a year. And if you do it before that five years, you lose three months of that interest. However, what you want to make sure to happen is these rates change every six months. And so if we do think inflation is going to continue to slow down, these rates might be uh, get affected pretty frequently. But if you're looking to keep it for a year, 9.6 and then 6.4 are pretty good rates, especially like Bill said, there's really no places to hide right now, even though the market's recovering, uh, interest rates are still going to continue to kind of hammer it. How do they buy those? Buy those through Treasury Direct. So you, if you <laughs> don't go calling your financial per uh, advisor or anything and saying, you get, can you purchase it for me? Because it's an individual purchase and you go to treasurydirect.com. They've revamped, revamped their website, which is pretty interesting. Um, and yeah, You didn't like their website. I didn't. I didn't. It looked like the 1970s. And that's how you know this investment is popular because they completely modernized it. Uh, and you do that, you create an account, you sign up with your, your bank account and they just take the funds directly from your checkings and savings, buy the bonds and you get those electronically. Um, and then you're, you're good to go. But it's a solid investment. If you have the money, it's limited to 10,000 online and then 5,000 paper. So um, take advantage of it. And if you have that money that you're just sitting around and you want a guaranteed rate of a, upwards of 9% for six months, that's, that's a huge thing you can do. Like it. Like it. All right, Bill, what do you got for us? Well, mine's not really investment related, though it could be, but it's the pickleball phenomenon that's sweeping the country right now. Huh. And uh, there's a battle going on between tennis players and pickleball players over court time. Uh, there's professional leagues that are starting. And I think the attraction to pickleball, you don't have to run a lot. You play with a wiffle ball, so it's not coming at you as fast as a tennis ball. And it's it's a smaller court, and it's it's a great way to to get outside, get some exercise. Now, I like to think I'm a, a leading indicator. I mm. first played pickleball in the late '80s, 1989, on Puget Sound with uh, some buddies. We were uh, visiting a friend up there that lives on Mercer Island, and they had a or had a pickleball court. And I had never heard of pickleball. It was the first time I played it, but it was a blast. But I haven't played it since. So however many years ago that <laughs> is. Uh, but in my neighborhood, it's the people are playing it everywhere. So, and there's an article in the Wall Street Journal uh, either yesterday or a couple of days ago about the growing of the sport, pickleball. So if you're looking for something to do, looking for a hobby, Want to meet some friends? Uh, give give pickleball a chance. It's it's pretty uh, competitive and have some fun. So who's going to win in the battle of the courts? Will it be the tennis players that kick them off? Because I don't think so. I think the pickleballers you are. Think so? uh, I think they're going to put their flag in the ground and uh, and what I've noticed, and this is just a generalization, but uh, tennis players seem to be younger and pickleball players seem to be older. Mm. And so it could be a generational battle here, too, not just between tennis and pickleball. It could be boomers against millennials. I don't know. I don't I don't think so. I know a lot of my millennial friends that have kind of got the itch of pickleball as well. So I think it's kind of just a, a huge sport. But when I'm thinking about the HOA and I'm driving past the yes. neighborhood, and I'm like, <laughs> do I want 
to see people playing tennis, does that give more of a fluent neighborhood or do I want to see people playing pickleball? Now, that's just aesthetically, but who knows? <laughs> I think I think pickleball looks a lot more fun because, again, it's, it's a condensed court mm-hmm. and you're not moving a lot and... You know the guys that play up in the ten on the the basketball court where I live, mm. uh, they've taken that over not from the tennis courts from the basketball court. They're jawboning each other all the time. A lot of trash talking going on, <laughs> and and it's a sport too uh, where men and women can play competitively. Sure. And I I, I think it's obviously going to continue to grow in popularity, and. We'll, we'll see. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, you definitely look funny playing it though, because you've got <laughs> big old rackets with wiffle balls getting knocked around. It's it's an intriguing sport. But did you did you play wiffle ball growing up? Oh, I love wiffle, wiffle ball. I also yeah. tried pickleball. Yeah, um, was not a fan. Not a fan. <laughs> not a fan. <laughs> you um, you weren't. Uh, well, why is that? I'm curious. Look, well, I like table tennis a lot, and so ping pong. I, yeah, yeah. I thought it would be similar. Um, and so if I'm going to be doing that, I don't like tennis either. So if I'm going to be playing with a racket or something, I'd rather play table tennis than either of those. And I could be in the AC, which is nice. Indoors. <laughs> and, and there you don't have to move at all no. if you don't want to. Well, so. if you're, unless you're playing it right, because if you're playing it right, That's backhands true. go pretty hard. Um, That's true. Perfect. All right. Well, Bill, you want to leave our listeners with kind of one final thought? Well... Markets always recover. And if you go back and look at a chart, you could barely see the correction of uh, October 19th, 1987. Be patient, follow your plan, think long term, and, and good things will happen. Perfect. Well, appreciate y'all. Uh, we'll see you next week. All right. See you. Thanks for joining us this week. Make sure to visit our website, parrotwealth.com, where you can learn more about everything we have to offer at Parrot Wealth Management. That's our view from the perch. See y'all next week.